Hey, you guys, if you're listening to this podcast in early August 2022, release day for my new book is just around the corner. Embracing Trust, the Art of Letting Go and Holding On to a Forever Faithful God hits shelves on August 16th. So I'd love to have you get in on the pre-order bonuses. They include a free audiobook as well as a downloadable workbook for the back of book study. Plus, we've created a beautiful bundle of graphics that you can print. It includes inspirational quotes, memory verses, as well as beautiful backgrounds that you can use on your phone. So you can go to embracingtrust.com to learn more. Tools for living, room to grow a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 91. It is always such a joy to meet young women who are not only passionate about Jesus, but are deeply in love with His Word. Brittany Mayer and Cassandra Spear are two such girls, and I cannot wait to share them with you today. Their online ministry, Her True Worth, reaches over a million and a half women worldwide. And today we talk about letting God define us rather than being defined by the world. Well, I always love meeting new friends in this podcast land. And today I have two new ones right here in the living room. Welcome, Brittany Mayer and Cassandra Spear. I'm so happy you're here. Oh, it's such a privilege and honor to be here with you, Joanna. Yeah, we've been having fun. We've had some little technical difficulties, but we made it and we are here to talk about your new book, Her True Worth, Breaking Free from a Culture of Selfies, Side Hustles and People Pleasing to Embrace Your True Identity in Christ. And oh my goodness, how much we need this message today. But this this book actually comes out of a ministry that God brought you two together to create how many years ago? Yeah, so I actually had started um, Her True Worth back in 2015. Um, So quite a while ago at this point, actually, sometimes I look and I'm like, wait, that was a long time ago. Um, So I, I birthed this ministry from a place of not knowing my true worth and value. And it was something that the Lord was showing me in my own life. And at the time, my husband uh, Ryan, he, you know, he was in this place of of using digital means, so Instagram, Facebook, and these social media platforms to be able to bring the gospel to that space. And so it just really encouraged me to be able to use the same resources to um, bring this message that the Lord was speaking to me about, um, and and trying to encourage other women in the same in the same message. Um, and so when I met Cass, we met back in um, 2018. And at that point, um, you know, I, I had been running the ministry and it was growing. Um, and I just felt the Lord kind of nudge my heart to start to bring on other writers to do different devotionals and things like that for the Instagram feed. Um, and I had actually found Cass. She had made a post and it really stood out to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this girl is so anointed by the Holy Spirit. Um, and and I just was drawn to her words um, anyway, so we had gotten a talk and um, she started writing little bite-sized devotionals for her true worth. And through many conversations and prayers, I just felt just a nudge from the Holy Spirit to bring her on to lead this thing with me. Um, I just really felt that this message of worth and identity and stewarding this ministry was something that God was calling me to do with somebody else with 
like kind of hand in hand. You know, I I think pretty quickly we knew we wanted to write a book together. Um, and it just so happened to be the actual title of our ministry, Hurt You Worth. Um, and it's just been such a beautiful process of being able to pull out those vulnerable, intricate parts of our own stories and um, mm-hmm. just being able to explain, you know, what God did in our stories and who he was. Yeah, I love that so much. You know, I think sometimes when we think of our identity and our worth, it can get so wrapped up in our outer stuff. And I, you know, you guys have an interesting history. You were, you were a professional makeup artist. Is that correct? Yeah. And so you, I love that you share that in the book a lot, just this perspective of kind of going into the world with almost a mask and, and then being willing to peel that away. What has that process been like for you, Brittany? It's been a beautiful process, but a hard one. Um, I've always really struggled with identifying my, attaching my worth and identity and value to my looks. And, you know, Cass and I both are coming from the beauty industry. And so we saw it firsthand, you know, we saw what it looked like to walk away and needing this like mask and this filter of ourselves and needing to be okay with it, it, with it on us, but yet we're not okay without it. Right. Mm -hmm. And we just became so disheartened by that. And we just felt like, you know, I, I mean, I can speak for myself personally coming out of the makeup industry. I was also in the fitness industry and I just thought to myself, there's gotta be more, there's gotta be more to my worth as a woman than what I look like, what my makeup looks like, how fit I am, how thin I am. And um, yeah, so it, it was kind of something that I had to resolve in my own heart as we were writing this book was my worth and my value are not found in those things. Yeah, yeah. I so appreciate that because we really are, I, you know, and I can't tell, is it, is it culture that makes us so outwardly focused? What is that thing that... Or is it the fact that we don't really even know who we are on the inside that makes us struggle with identity? What do you think, Cassandra? I genuinely love this question because it's one that I think we're not asking enough because at the end of the day, our identity is where we find our worth and our identity is hidden in Christ. And as believers, we know that. We know that to be true. But the world defines worth in a vastly different way than how the word defines worth and how God attributes value. And, and I mean, even in the Bible, it talks about when it was foreshadowing Jesus, that, that he was not lovely to be looked upon, that they would want him, that they despised him, you know, and, and that idea of the fact that, you know, we talk about in the book how women we just talked about this earlier, actually. We're so easily ensnared by this lie that our worth and our identity can be earned and revoked, neither of which are true. And so to answer your question, I think it's not just a nature thing. I think it's a nurture thing as well. Culturally, we're getting a lot of messages of if your roles, your responsibilities, and your appearances, and the way that people receive you, your success, all these different external things are meeting this internal, deep, deep desire 
to be known first and foremost and to be loved and to be valued. And that can only be met with an internal God Mm -hmm. that lives and dwells within us. And so that's where the relationship with Christ and knowing whose we are and what he's done and our identity being in him because it's irrevocable and we can't actually earn it. And so we get a lot of messages as women that you need to look a certain way. You need to talk a certain way. You need to dress a certain way. You need to have a certain type of degree, education, pedigree. You have to know the right people, all of X, Y, and Z. And these are all the world's measuring sticks. And when we use the world's measuring sticks to metric our worth, we will always feel lacking because we were never intended to allow anything outside of Jesus Christ to determine our value and our identity. Uh, The quote that we use a lot in the book is, the ultimate measuring stick of my worth and value is what Christ did on the cross. Nothing else. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's so hard sometimes to balance it all because I think we've got the world's message that we have to look a certain way. We've got to be productive. We've got to be that hustler. We've got to make things happen. But then even in the church and in being a Christian, you know, you have that tension of, I totally belong to Jesus, but I need to live a holy life, you know, and it can be so easily we can, we can, I've just been thinking so much about the prodigal son, you know, Hmm. he, he didn't know the father's heart. And so he went out on his own, but the older son didn't know the father's heart either. And he was slaving in the field. And so we, how is that kind of, how have you come, um, Brittany, how have you come to get that identity? Cause even that, like, I totally agree. Our identity is in Christ. And we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? How, how do I unpack that? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, to answer your question, how does the prodigal son give us insight into our worth and our value in God? And it's because this story and this message of the prodigal son invites us to see God as the God who doesn't sit back with his arms crossed in anger at us when we fall short and when we make mistakes and when we wander, right? He is the father that looks at us with love and compassion in his heart because of what our value is to him. If I wasn't worth anything, why would he send his son to die to pay the price for my sins, right? If I was not worth anything to God, then why would he send his son? Right. Right. He, you don't pay a high price for something that doesn't have value. You know, you don't pay a hundred dollars for a stick of gum. You know what I mean? And God paid the highest price for you and for me and for Cass, right? And to the list for the listeners right now, God paid a high price for you. You have worth and value to him. Yeah. And, and I love, you know, one of my favorite parts of the prodigal son story is when, the son comes and returns back home because he realizes the life that he lived and was living, squandering his inheritance and living apart from what, I mean, he had it made, you know, he had it made back at home. And and when he wandered away and came back, what I love is how it says God, or I'm sorry, the father saw him far off as he was returning back. So in order to see someone you're looking for them, right? 
to see someone far off, if you think about distance and I, you know, you look across the street and you're looking at someone walking towards you, you have to be searching for them to see them coming back towards you. And it was, it's just such a beautiful parallel to how God sees us and how much we have value to him, that he is looking for us, even in those dark times where we wander, even in those dark times where we make mistakes and we fall back into sin. His loving eye has not left us. And he is not the father that has his door shut. He's not the father that's got the porch light turned off. Nope, you're done. You made the mistake. I'm done. I don't want you're not to come back. No, he's the father with his doors open, his arms wide open, bringing you back into this place of acceptance in him. And he accepts you. Yeah. I think, I think it really is, comes down to, am I willing to accept my acceptedness? Right? Yeah, that's so good. I, Greg Laurie, many years ago, made a statement that I've just never got past. He said, before we're a Christian, the enemy tells us, oh, you're fine. You don't need a savior. But then after we become Christians, he says, you're no good. You don't deserve a savior. Mm. And so though we're saved by grace initially, if we're not careful, if we don't understand the father's love, we can turn it into works. And and, yeah. and then we end up like the older brother. I mean, I was a good girl, you guys. I was I I was 34 years of age before I got in trouble at youth camp. I mean, I'm a good girl. But I needed a savior. Even though I'd met Jesus at five years old, I needed to know that the father's love wasn't dependent on my works nor was my worth dependent on my works. And I think, I think it's that one thing, if we could actually get around to receiving the father's love, I think we'd begin to understand our own worth. Cassandra, how is it for you when you think of that, finding your identity in Christ? What, when you would unpack for a girl who's going, yeah, I know, but how, how would you unpack it for her? So first and foremost, Unpacking identity is at its simplest form is understanding who you are. And when you're finding your identity in Christ, it is, it is something that's hard to wrap your head around <laughs> because I don't know about y'all, but I know myself a little too well. And, and I know, I know where I lack and I know in moments where I am not so lovable or, you know, there's just, there's moments I think that we have to intersect with life and we have to confront them. And, and that's a part of accepting your identity. Like you said, your acceptedness, right? Because our best is but filthy rest. Yeah. But God does not discard us like we are trash. None of us, no matter how far we've wandered, because we mislabel ourselves. We take on characteristic identities. And so in order to know your true identity is hidden in Christ, that's a really, really good phrase. Mm, But the truth of the matter is you have to also know who you're not. And you're not your mistakes. You didn't wander too far away. You're not too far gone. You're not hopeless. You might be feeling without hope, but you're not hopeless. And we mistakenly place our identity in all of the wrong things. And we also mishandle ourselves in the process and and when doing so we're not allowing ourselves to live fully in the true worth and value 
that God himself has said we are worthy of this because his son is worthy, not in and of ourselves, not because of our works. It is by faith that we are saved. And what he did on the cross was enough. God's goodness is not reliant on our enoughness. And thank God for that. And that's where we find their identity. That's the relief. The identity in Christ, the way that you actually live that out is knowing the pressure is off to perform. Your salvation cannot be revoked. Your daughterhood in the family of God cannot be earned. That's where identity really is. It's knowing what it's not. It's, It's casting off all of the counterfeits, all of the things that have said, this is who you are. Whether it be the voice of the enemy, the lives of others, the culture, the people that have told you, said, spoken things over you and misnamed you and misidentified you and misunderstood you. You have to be able to know who you're not in order to accept who you truly are in Christ. And you can't do that without reconciling with the lies that you're carrying about yourself. That's so good. That's so good. One of the things I find so fascinating as an author is that God had you guys write this book together. And we talked a little bit about that, you know, that was kind of, it was wonderful and it was hard. How did you guys decide what topics you were going to write about and, and maybe who was going to talk about which one? Honestly, it, it was a moment of just, you know what? I really resonate with this story or I really resonate with this topic. For me, it was prodigal daughter. Um, I, I have had a lot of stories of wandering and backsliding, and I just very much connected with the story of the prodigal son. And I very much connected with the fact that no matter what, no matter what I do, no matter where I've been or what mistakes I've made, as long as I have a pulse, his, his invitation to me never expires. Mm-hmm. And I really, really resonated with that message. So for Cass and I, I mean, through thousands of phone calls, just, you know what, I really think we need to cover this topic, or I really think we need to cover this topic. And we would just kind of do that bouncing of back and forth, what resonates with you, what resonates with me. Um, And it just, it flowed beautifully. It was all led by the Holy Spirit. Mm. We were very, very, um, you know, I think a lot of times as writers, we think we have to go into writing a manuscript with just a very detailed plan. And yes, that works. But sometimes you have to also leave as much room as possible for the Holy Spirit to do his work, you know, and um, this, this message in this book was very prayerful and very much submitted to the Holy Spirit and what God wanted to say. Mm -hmm. Well, you feel it as you got, as you read the book, you can feel that. I love, I love how you've just beautifully melded um, your stories and the principles and then the beautiful reflections questions at the end of each chapter are so powerful, you guys. So it's, it's really this interactive. You're not just reading your story, but you're in kind of almost invited into that process of just identifying what are those lies I'm believing? What are those things that I'm carrying that I don't have to carry? What is the shame, the labels, all the different things? You guys both describe yourself as people pleasers or affirmation addicts. I like that. Oh my goodness. uh, Can I join the club? (laughs) 
That's an AA, is that right? Yeah, AA. <laughs> We're all recovering affirmation addicts and people people pleasers. We're all recovering. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, this this is really big because I wonder sometimes if that isn't maybe at the root of our difficulty in finding our identity. Yeah, that's why we taught that. It, that is why it is actually the biggest chapter in the book, because right, like everything that you just said, I wonder if that is the root. Right. I wonder if that's where it stems from. And I know Cass and I talk a lot about the fact that, you know, God he wired us to need encouragement. He did wire us to need validation, but by by him alone, right? And the problem is when we are not looking to him for that validation, we will look for it somewhere else. Yeah. You know, and I think for me personally, I really struggled with my whole life needing to be liked by others. And I mean, me I can too. I can safely admit that right now. Um, from a humble place because, hey, I, I still struggle with that. I really do. Um, you know, and I think I think the reason why I needed to be liked by others is because I didn't like me and I didn't know who I was. And I used to need people to show me attention, to show me that I was noticeable and likable. And I lived my life constantly trying to get something from someone and needing others to validate me. And I became addicted to that affirmation and that praise. But the problem with that addiction is that, you know, when, when you're in that place of not liking who you are and needing everybody else to like you so that you feel likable is that it's not the gospel, right? That's not, that's not what God's intent was for us and how to live is, you know, if someone doesn't affirm me, then I can't live affirmed. If someone's not encouraging me, then I'm constantly living my life discouraged. But then my my okayness rises and falls on how people treat me or mistreat me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. You know, if we could just allow him to change that, right? To allow the gospel to just penetrate our hearts and change the way we see so that it changes the way we be yeah. and how we live and what what we become. Mm, that is so powerful. How has that uh, recovering addiction process been like for you, Cassandra? Well, I think that it's been painstakingly worth it. Um, it's one of those things you have to come to the end of yourself and you, ha- you really have to learn where you have really allowed yourself to place your worth in your identity and your affirmation, your validation, your source, right, of your ability to cope. And as Brittany said, affirmation is a good thing. God intentionally wired us for connection and relationship to be affirmed, encouraged, loved, supported with each other and first and foremost with him. But the problem that we run into and that I've ran into is when we allow the extent at which we are willing to go to acquire the affirmation, the very same price that we commit ourselves to striving and chasing after forever, ever, forevermore, because, because we, it's, an, it's a consistent chase. You never actually stop chasing after your worth in all of the wrong places and all the wrong people. You're looking for 
affirmation from people. And what I personally have experienced is that in order for me to reconcile with my addiction to affirmation, I've had to learn to be okay with rejection. Yes. Be, you know, because the opposite of affirmation is rejection and you have to learn to be okay with being misunderstood and being okay with being rejected. And so that's, that's something that I've had to walk through is giving myself permission to be misunderstood and, and embracing the fact that the right people that reject me is actually not a bad thing. Right. Exactly. And, and that it's, you know, and that we have to trust that God's will in his plan, we can't mess it up. Mm-hmm. We're not more powerful than God. And so for me, learning to not run away from rejection has helped me to not chase affirm- affirmation and validation and, and the hype and the praise from all other things, other people. And the other thing is practicing relational equity, which we talk about in the book as well, is it is like one of the biggest chapters because it's so pivotal in allowing yourself to free yourself from this constant cycle of seeking, striving, and then being rejected. And then you start all over again, seeking, striving, rejection. And when you understand that not always the loudest voices are the ones that you need to hear, just because you hear it doesn't mean you have to heed it. And so understanding that your affirmation doesn't actually, not everyone has authority to speak into your life. Knowing how to practice relational equity is also a really important step into understanding healthy affirmation and keeping yourself from the cycle of addiction. Because if you know whose opinion matters, first and foremost, God, then the people who speak into and invest in your life, me and Brittany joke a lot over, let's see, since 2018, I say a phrase that we laugh about is no consequence, no opinion. Mm. And that's very important because if you're allowing people to speak into your life, everyone without any discernment, that is dangerous. And you're allowing yourself to rise and fall based on their acceptance and their approval. That's not a safe place to be. So good. So good. That's what it looks like for me. Yeah. I I write about in the book, my new book about how I used to go around with what I call an umbilical cord and, you know, put it on people like, tell me who I am, give me what I need. And, you know, there has to be a point where we let the Lord tie off the umbilical cord. Yeah. And and that he is the one who's nourishing us. And the other part of it, because I am totally an, an approval recovery girl. Um, I have this little joke. I, I, I write about um, the war between the spirit and the flesh in my book, Having a Merry Spirit, allowing God to change us from the inside out. And, you know, that we have the spirit of God living within us, our spirit made alive, but we still have the flesh, you know, and my flesh woman is a 683 pound sumo wrestler chick. <laughs> yeah. And she, she doesn't wear leather and chains. She's a church <laughs> lady and she wants the strokes and she wants to be told how. And so here's what I've been doing. Cause you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to, to crucify the flesh. Yes. And so when those rejections come, I just sometimes just get a little smile on my face and I'm just like, die sucker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> die, flesh woman. <laughs> I love that. That's such a good visual. 
there's some stuff that needs to die in us in order for us to truly live. That's so good. To die is to gain. That's right. To live is to Christ. That's it right there. Mm, I yeah. love that. Because otherwise we are constantly trying to find our meaning in someone yeah. else's what they think about us or don't think about us. I used to live like, like if someone didn't receive me with real great joy, I thought I'd done something terrible. I never even considered that maybe they were having a bad day. Mm. It was always about me. And that's the challenge. I think when we can find our worth in him, then it's not so much about me. So good. It gets your focus off self. Yeah. Self, Mm -hmm. right? We live in such a self-absorbed society and culture. And, you know, Cass and I talk a lot about how denying yourself is soul care. It's yeah. not self right? We when you say die to yourself, deny yourself, everyone's like, well, take care of yourself, self-care. Yes, take care of yourself, prioritize your health. That's important because you need to be okay in order to serve God's kingdom. You need to be your your best self, right? You have to mm-hmm. be healthy. Mentally and physically, yeah. Right, exactly. But the problem is when we are so hyper fixated yes. on self, then everything around us, everything flows from that place and it you know, I'm I'm getting really tired of constantly needing to pamper my flesh. And part of the pampering is tell me I'm good. Tell me, <laughs> tell me I'm pretty. Tell me I'm this, right? We have to deny ourselves and pick up our cross. But to pick up our cross, we have to lay something else down first. Yeah. And for me, that's self. I have to lay myself down and subdue my flesh to be able to pick up my cross and really follow Christ. Because yeah. My flesh doesn't want to do that. <laughs> My flesh mm-hmm. can be like, well, that that cross is a little too heavy. You sure about that? It's like 90 degrees outside, right? We have to subdue our flesh and pick up our cross and follow him. Yeah, it's very counterintuitive. It's so countercultural. And yet, you know, and why are we surprised? Like that it would be opposite of what comes naturally to, yeah. to really thrive in the spirit. And it's the way that seems right to a man. You know, I always go back to that. I think it's in Proverbs, you know, the way that seems right to a man is pamper your flesh, take care, like self-care, prioritize yourself first, that we live in that kind of society. But if we could just reposition our hearts and put God first and walk by the Spirit and look at what the actual fruits of the Spirit are and weighing that and testing our, our faith and looking at, you know, am I walking by the Spirit? Am I or am I walking by the flesh? What am I ruled by? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you guys ask a, a question right at the beginning of the book that is so powerful. If God was to take away the thing I identify with tomorrow, how would it affect me? Would mm. my world fall apart? How? Mm. What kind of responses have you guys been getting in your community from those questions? First and foremost, the Her True Worth community, we have the privilege of serving 1.6 million women worldwide. Wow. And our primary demographic, which is a wide one, but it is our primary demographic, is women ages 18 to 44 years old. And so the range of how they respond to this, which is why we have such an incredible team of devotional writers online community, is because we have women who would respond with, I just really feel as though 
if I'm not a mother, I'm an empty nester now. Who am I? Yeah. Or we have we have women. I Brittany can contest to this. Like we get messages in our fellowship group and on our page, which is more personal, smaller, more intimate experience for the her true worth community, where they come alongside each other. We get messages and we get posts all the time of, "Hey, my marriage ended. I'm mm. not sure who I am outside of this relationship," or. I've lost somebody that I dearly love and I know the hope of eternity, but death stings on this side of heaven. Who am I when this person's gone? And am I okay and secure in my relationship with God? Even though I'm hurting, I'm aching, I'm suffering. Where is my worth and value Mm. when these things are taken away? Everyone has vastly different responses. There's college gals, which I have the privilege of mentoring college gals, 20, early 20s here in OKC and all three of them are in vastly different ranges of life and I've heard different things from them anywhere from my boyfriend dumped me because I had boundaries physically and is the most important thing about me my body is that where my value Mm. comes from and then there's other conversations where you know there's women who pour in and they say you know I don't know who I am now that I can't lose this baby weight Mm. wow and my my postpartum pants don't fit and I'm dealing with postpartum anxiety and I'm afraid to leave my house is my life really worth living that was me <laughs> and and there's all these and that might any one of those could sound trite for anyone listening because the things that we carry are often very private to us yeah and so one person could hear something along the lines of my postpartum pants don't fit me anymore who am I now that I'm dealing with PPA or PPD, which are really difficult topics that are very real for women. Mm-hmm. And someone could hear that and say, well, I, I have something else happening. And the thing is, it's not a hardship Olympics. Right. You know, we we right. all have difficulties that make us wonder, hey, is my life really worth something? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And mm-hmm. whose am I? You know, anybody can answer that in different ways. For me, I grew up early on in my life from a very young age due to trauma and abuse with the understanding that I was an inconvenience and that my family had not planned for parenthood. And so, you know, people walk in feeling all kinds of reasons for lacking worth and identity. They all answer them vastly different. They're all valid. And the answer is always Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Every single time. You make me cry, man. That was good. So beautiful. Brittany, what have, what have you discovered on this journey of trying, you know, cause I love that you guys are, you're just kind of, I call myself a fellow struggler, you know, like I, I have not arrived, even though I really had hoped by now that <laughs> I was further along, but in some ways uh, I've learned to actually be grateful that it's not all neat and tidy because yeah. it keep us, it just keeps us dependent on the Lord. What are you seeing in the community? Yeah. Um, pretty much echoing everything that Cass said. Um, same, same. Everything that Cass said is I'm seeing the same thing. I'm seeing, you know, a lot of women identifying with their the status of their relationships with people primarily. And I think I'm noticing that a lot because I can relate to it um, as a f- former people pleaser and sometimes still struggle with that. You know, my 
my, I think probably the biggest lie, one of the biggest lies that I have found myself to believe is I am only worthy in love to the people around me if I say yes. Uh, and if I'm striving and doing and <laughs> to my own depletion, you know, and I really do struggle with boundaries and I struggle with saying no. Um, Cass and I joke all the time. She's like, I'll be your no for you because she's she's on it with that. But, you know, Cass and I were talking a lot about too earlier prior to this call, um, this podcast is, you know, people pleasing looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think sometimes we think that people pleasing is an all in one definition of, well, you're just people pleasing the people around you. But people pleasing could be like, in my case, saying yes to everybody. Yeah. Or in some people's case, and my case in the past, you know, altering my body to look a certain way because I want people to see me as desirable. That's a form of people pleasing. Yeah. You know, and I think we have, we're, we're trying to help our readers and ourselves get to a resolution of where am I trying to please people? Right. And, and Paul talks about, am I trying to win or gain yeah. the approval of man or of God? Yeah. What is, what is the higher one? Right. Are we exalting ourself above God in our life? Are we exalting our need for approval and affirmation? Or are we are we using our life as a living sacrifice to worship him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or are we in a place of needing the worship? Mm, wow. That's a powerful statement. I love that you said that, you know, there's no hardship Olympics. We all come with our own, our own stuff. And I like to say that pain is relative. And if it's my pain, it's relatively painful. And so, mm. but yeah, we can all bring our individual need, our issue. I love, I love that story about the woman with the issue, right? We can bring wow. our issue to Jesus and he meets us there. And, you know, I think the thing that happens when we keep trying to find meaning and answer outside of Jesus, we just get a lot of information, but mm. we don't get the transformation. Yeah. And I'd love to hear, I, you know, you're, yes, you're hearing women's struggles, but are you, are you hearing some great aha moments, especially around this whole message of her true worth? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't have any stories in particular that I can think of at the moment, but I do know that, you know, so far we've, we've seemed to have like a really, really good response from the book awesome. and just being able to apply it. You know, like I really appreciate what you said, Joanna, about um, just how, how vulnerable we've had to be in sharing our story because the message of worth and identity is a vulnerable, complex, but yet simple. <laughs> it's <like> so <laughs> complex, but yet it's like, there's, there's one solution, right? right. Um, but because of all the counterfeits that Cass was kind of going over it, it, it can get very complex. And it does sometimes, I think the message of worth and identity can be viewed as a shallow message mm. because it's like, oh, your worth and identity is found in Christ, right? That it is such a beautiful statement, but there's so much there, right? Yeah. There's so much to uncover and unpack in finding your worth. And, you know, we could sit here and preach all day long that God loves you. And we are a thousand percent correct when we say God loves you, but it's another thing to live loved. Yeah. Right. We yeah. could sit here all day long and preach that God is merciful, but it's another mm -hmm. thing to live 
forgiven and live in his mercy. Yeah. You know, and his word needs a place to land in our hearts so that we can be able to apply it to our lives. I love that. You know, as I was working on my book, I I had just this little, I don't know, like a little fairy tale kind of story start just playing in my head and it didn't actually make it in the book, but it was just this idea of a, a young girl who was invited to go live in the king's palace young woman. Um, but she wanted to make sure that she got, had all the right clothes and that she got all cleaned up and that she looked just right. And so she spent her whole life trying to get ready and worthy to live in the palace that she never actually got around to it. And as we were talking, I just think of the father's love for us. It's no mistake that the Bible uses that father image. And when you think of, especially when you live in a a wholesome, beautiful, life-giving home, that father-daughter relationship where you might be the king of a mighty country, but you have full access to daddy's office. You can run into that office and you can climb up on his lap and he will stop what he's doing and he will put his arms around you. And it won't be because you deserved it. It's just simply because you belong to him. Gosh, that gave me chills. And I think if we could get that, if we could just receive that, we wouldn't spend our lives trying to earn what is already ours. Hmm. Cassandra, as we close, would you just pray over our listeners? Because I know there's some girls who are like, I feel like I'm there and then I mess up and I lose it. I feel like I'm there and then I get really busy and my, my, my quiet time just goes on, or maybe I get offended and I get all caught in peripheral matters. And today they feel the Lord just wooing them back to his heart. Would you pray for us? Absolutely. It would be my privilege. Gracious and heavenly father, we just thank you for this time to come together and point women to their true identity and worth found in you. God, we thank you that no matter how far we've wandered mm-hmm. and no matter how lost we feel, you've never lost sight of us. Thank you. God, we thank you that there is no lost causes, that you know what you purchased on Calvary and you have no buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your loving mercy and your kindness that leads us to repentance. God, we thank you that through your son, Jesus, condemnation and shame has no power in Jesus' name. Yes. Shame is not through the spirit. We do not have to carry it. God, we thank you that you cast shame off of us, that you are a God who says, come closer. Let me hear you. Let me see you. Let me speak to you. Let me speak through you. You mm-hmm. are El you are the God who sees everything and wastes nothing. There is no story too far gone. There is no pit that is too deep. God, we thank you that you are actively in the mission of rescue. We thank you that you pursue us no matter how far we run from you. God, we love you. And we thank you for the ability to talk with you and to talk about you and to point people to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
I hope you were blessed by that conversation. I certainly was. You can learn more about Brittany and Cassandra, their book and ministry over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 091. Listen, let's not waste another day trying to earn God's love or trying to find approval anywhere else but Jesus. If we'll let him show us our true worth, then we're going to live from a place of security and love. If you know someone who needs to hear this important message, I hope you'll share this episode. It can be as easy as hitting the three little buttons on your podcast player and sending it via text or email. And speaking of important messages, at least that's what I pray it is. I hope you'll check out my new book on trusting God. Embracing trust really goes hand in hand with the message Brittany and Cassandra shared today. As we let go of the lies that keep us bound, we'll discover a God who can be trusted, a God who speaks value over our lives and promises never to leave us or forsake us, a God who makes it possible to live and love and lead like His Son.